want to ask you a question as we prepare to get into God's Word. How many of you feel that your spiritual life is experiencing everything God has for you? That's legit. You can say yes. How many? Show of hands. Good. Then you need to be here this morning. Because I would, I, I would have ventured to say there were probably only a handful that would have raised their hands that really feel like spiritually they are on top of it. They are experiencing everything that God has for them. I wouldn't have raised my hand this morning. Uh, as I prayed with elders this morning, we, when we were talking about the sermon, and, and we all commit, admitted that, you know, there are times we just we drop the ball. There are times we don't listen to God. There are times that we're not obedient to God. There are times when we just aren't interested in growing in that relationship. So this morning, what we're going to talk about is potential. And when we think of potential, we think of possibilities. We think of what might be, the way something might be if everything goes well, then we can reach the full potential. And usually we focus this on kids. Boy, that kid has potential. You know, when we're when coaching Little League or coaching basketball, we look at kids and we go, boy, that, that kid's got potential. They've got unrealized ability, ability that if we could just develop, if we could just come alongside and, and really uh, feed that. And because it is potential, our expectations tend to rise in that area. That when we see someone with potential, we begin to expect a little more out of them. I'm not saying that's right. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying that's usually the way it works. Never do we say, oh, that person's got a lot of potential, and then leave it at that. We tend to expect. We want to see that potential realized. We want to allow the abilities to develop. We want them to grow over time, to, to move in the direction of that potential. And we've all heard of stories who, of people who wasted their potential, that in their teen years, the, the potential was just there, and then it's like it just never came about. Dwight Gooden, I don't know how many of you uh, remember or know Dwight Gooden, pitcher for the, the New York Mets, uh, drafted first round by the Mets right out of high school, 19 years old, made his major league pitching debut. He was drafted out of high school, the summer after his high school, went into to single A, excelled there, went, moved right into double A, excelled there, and before the end of that first season, when he was 19, moved to the major league pitching mound. A ton of potential. The guy had a fastball that was unhittable. He had an off-speed pitch that just corkscrewed guys right into the ground. Uh, he, he had uh, over 300 strikeouts in that just minor league uh, short stint that he had there. He pitched in the majors for 16 years, but almost all of his awards and his achievements came in the first two, when he was 19, 20, and 21. It was in the offseason following the 1986 season, his second season, that he was arrested and the suspicion of drug abuse began to surface. Injuries, 
more run-ins with the law, alcohol, drug abuse, left many wondering just how, could, how good he could have been. After he retired and was eligible to go into the Hall of Fame, they take a vote to place your name on that ballot to be in. And you have to, I forget what percentage you have to receive of the voters. He received 3%. Now, this was a kid that at 19, Hall of Fame wasn't even a question. It was a given. Because of his ability and because of, uh, of his talent, Potential is really untapped ability. It's the promise of more, but it can too easily be lost. Today I want to focus not on human potential, but I want to focus our thinking on the potential of God. Does God have potential? I mean, if you sit back and you look at God and you think about God, does God have potential? I asked a few people in the office that this week, and they said, well, of course, he's almighty, he's omniscient, he's, he's, he's omnipotent, and, and he can do all things, and there is no limit to his ability. And I said, isn't there? What limits God's potential? Is it possible for God to have wasted potential? Are there things that God wants to accomplish but isn't accomplishing or, or won't accomplish? Is that wasted potential? Dwight Gooden's potential was probably never fully realized because of injury, drugs, and alcohol. It took the, the promise of a remarkable career and left many disappointed with mediocrity in comparison to what could have been. Can God's potential be limited. I'm not saying his power is limited, but his potential. I say God's potential can be and is limited. Let me ask you again, how would you describe your spiritual life? Most people would describe their spiritual life as average. For many, that translates mediocre. Not a whole lot has changed over the years. When I first entered into that relationship with Christ and I began to delve into the Bible, man, I was excited. I couldn't read it enough, couldn't get enough. Now, yeah, I try every day. I make attempts to get into the Word. I'm in church probably, you know, most of the time. That's mediocre. That, that's a, that is a life that when it entered into a relationship with Jesus had so much potential and now is living itself out in mediocrity. We have limited God's potential in our life by the way we choose to live that life. Our spiritual lives for many of us have become routine, predictable, mediocre, but full of potential. If you're here this morning because, well, it's Sunday and that is what you do on Sunday, this message is for you. 
Or if you're here today because life hasn't been all you thought it would be and you're looking for some more answers, this message is for you. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to look at one verse. Now, the sermon that you're hearing today, if you're, in the, if you're using a pew Bible, let me give you a little help. If you pick up a blue pew Bible, it's, in page 800, it's on page 815. If you're picking up a red pew Bible, it's on page 828. I used to think they were the same. I found out this week they're not. What we're doing this morning, looking at this morning, is actually one point of my sermon. I thought for sure that was going to get an amen. As I sat down and began looking at this verse, and, and I began outlining a sermon, and, and there were three things that really stood out to us because pastors think in threes, so three points. I had it all, and as I began to develop that first point, I know that my notes have to stop at three pages because if I go beyond three pages, I'm going to go beyond 35 to 40 minutes, and that's a no-no. And so I... I got my first, I'm typing away, I'm studying, I'm pulling out all kinds of things and thoughts and looking up words, and, and, and I put that first point together, and I looked, and I was <laughs> into the third page. I went, well, we're done. <laughs> we're going to have to save those other two uh, for another time. So what you're getting is the first point of a three-point sermon, which will lead to two more messages somewhere down the line. Ephesians chapter 3 as we think about God's potential and can it be limited. It says now, Paul is writing to the Ephesians and he says now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more. That's potential. That's power. That's the power of God. To do immeasurably, unimaginable, unthinkably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Three truths about God's potential that jump out at me when I read this verse. And the first one, and this is what this whole sermon today is, is that God's potential is limited by your ability to dream. God's potential. He can do more. He can, he can do immeasurably more, unthinkably more, more imaginatively more than you and I can ask or imagine. You see, our ability to ask God for things limits his potential. Our ability to imagine things to imagine what God could do, to imagine what God wants to do in my life and in the life of my family or, or, or in my neighbor's life. For me to, I limit his potential to do immeasurably more because I'm not asking or thinking immeasurably more. I'm thinking mediocre. I'm thinking routine. I am limiting the potential of God with my own life. So God's potential is limited by your ability to dream. It is his vision, not yours. It's his dream, not yours. The, the second sermon, what, what you'll get the next time I preach, is that God's potential is limited by your ability to depend. It's his power, not yours. You see, we tend to think that, okay, God can do this because I can do it. I'm going to limit God by my ability 
not expecting him to do immeasurably more than I am able. But it's, it's immeasurably more according to his power that is at work within us. And then the third thing is that God's potential is limited by your ability to deflect because it's his glory, not yours. That so many times we want to do things and then we want to be recognized for how great we were in doing them. But if we're limited, if we're, if we're relying upon God's power, then it's not me doing it. And so I shouldn't get the glory for it. And so I need to deflect all of that. That's coming. That's coming. This morning we want to focus upon our ability to dream. That, that God's potential is limited only by our ability to ask or imagine. That he can do more But our inability to ask for more, our inability to imagine more, our willingness to settle for mediocrity limits his ability to do more. Because he wants to do it through you, not around you. He wants to do immeasurably more than you can ask for yourself, than you can imagine in your own life. We limit God's ability because we limit our own ability, our own power. And so we settle into comfortable We settle into routine. We settle into mediocre. And then we think that mediocre is really feeling good. And God's going, there's so much more. There's so much more. And and I want to just pique a little interest in you that there is more to your life than what you are experiencing right now. So much more. Immeasurably more than you are experiencing right now. You have not because you ask not, James tells us. Our ability to dream. And isn't a dream a picture of what could happen? I'm not talking about dreams that we have when we sleep. I mean, when we sit and ponder the future, thinking about what might be. You know, when when we're younger, we, we have that dream job. We, we have a, a dream car. My daughter just turned 16. That car changes every time we pass a really cool one. That's the one I want. That's the kind of one. That's the kind of Get a job, your dream job, then you can get your dream car. That's how it works. We we think through it, you know, getting a, a dream house. Taking that dream vacation. All those things are possibilities, and they're fun to sit back and ponder. But that is not the dream I'm talking about. Paul says more than you can ask or imagine. More than you can dream. See, I don't even want a life based on my ability to dream. I don't want a life based upon my ability to to think and perceive or plan the future. I want a dream. I want a vision of life based on God's ability to know what is best. And we just said God is omniscient. And that he can do immeasurably more than I can. Than I can think, than I can dream, than I can ask. He can do immeasurably more than that. So I'm better off just saying, you know what, God? I want you to show me what that life looks like. My ability to lead will lead to mediocrity. God's dream will lead to full potential. So the question is what, not what do you dream your life being, but what does God dream 
your life being. Have you ever wondered what does God dream about? See, again, I'm not talking about sleep because God never sleeps, but don't you think God has dreams? God has wants? God has desires out there? Sure he does. And they're immeasurably more than what you and I can think and dream about. They're immeasurably greater. Now, it would make sense that our dreams need to reflect his dreams. That if I'm going to exceed the full potential, if I'm going to experience the full potential of God, then my dreams need to not come up short of his dream, but needs to reflect that dream. Our purpose aligns with his purpose. Our goals for life need to align with his goals for life. So what does he dream about? What does he have the potential to do? Have you ever thought about it? Let me give you a list. You can write them down if you want. It's real quick. He wants to reach the unbeliever. He, he wants to reveal himself in ways that are understood, that, that, that are, are you asking and imagining who that is? When you, when you think God wants to reach the unbeliever, do you have pictures in your mind? Do you have people that you're going, that's who God wants me to reach. That's who God wants to use me. That, that's who God wants to get into their life. Or do you just agree, yeah, he wants to reach the unbeliever. To seek and save the lost. That's a verse that we've memorized. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Or do we dream about it? Do we dream about who that is? That, that, that represents a, a person that I come in contact with on a regular basis that God wants to, dreams about, wants to do immeasurably more than I can ask in that person's life. Is my dream his dream? He wants to heal relationships. He wants to heal marriages. He wants to, the, the dreams of, of, of a Christ-centered homes. That's what God dreams about. He dreams about restoring relationships. Sometimes we plan how to get out of one. We plan how to avoid that relationship that went sour. We, we, we think and imagine if that person just wasn't alive, how much better would my life be? That's what I ask or imagine. God says, no, I want to put that back together. I want to put that marriage, that family back together. That's what God dreams about, and that's immeasurably more than I do. God dreams about caring for the poor, the widows, the orphans. And I've got to ask, what does that look like in my life? Does it look like anything in my life? Do I dream about how to reach down and help someone in need? Do I sit and imagine what it would be like to help someone in need? Or do I just go about my mediocre life hoping my needs are met? God dreams of a, of a strong, growing church where everyone has a ministry, where they use their gifts and abilities for others, where nobody just comes on Sunday. Ouch. That one hurts just a little. That's why the blue bulletin insert is in there. Blue, pink. That's why the pink bulletin insert is in there because we don't have enough volunteers we have and i'm going to say this lovingly we have too many people who come and sit and soak and leave and not enough people who will jump in knee deep and get involved and and put a little elbow grease into ministry 
God wants to do immeasurably more than what you're thinking Christianity is about. It's not about coming on Sunday, sitting, soaking, and leaving. It's about getting in, getting messy, getting dirty, getting involved in other people's lives, giving our times, our talents, our resources to what God is dreaming about. He dreams of how he can use you to accomplish great things so that your life reaches its full potential. He is able to do more than we can ask or imagine. Why settle for mediocrity? Why settle for the mediocre existence? But how do I know? How do I dream God's dream? How do I move from, from where I'm at to where I need to be? How can I begin to ask and imagine what God is wanting me to ask and imagine? Three things you need to do. One, you need to continue to strengthen your relationship with God. You need to continually strengthen your relationship, your understanding, your knowing who God is. Christianity is a love relationship with Jesus. That's what it all boils down to. It's not the list of do's. It's not the, the do this, don't do that. It's not the come here. It's not the read. The, it all boils down to just a love relationship with Jesus. He wants us to know him. He wants us to know him. He wants to lead us. He wants to, to help us navigate through life. Not just to get through with as little scarring as possible, but he wants us to thrive. He, he wants us to know uh, what, it, what it's going to take. He wants us to get and, and achieve that full potential. He has a plan. He has a plan for each and every one of us that is, that is measurably more than what I can imagine my life being. And if I don't get to know him, the planner, the author and perfecter of my faith... I'm going to miss out. And over the years of missing out time and time again, I'm eventually just going to sit and go, bring on mediocrity. I'm going to get into a routine. I'm going to get into a rut to where, where spiritual life is, is totally less than what God intended. He has a plan, a vision for what full potential looks like for each of us. And our responsibility in that then is to get to know him, to understand him, to grow in our love for him. And we control, understand this, we control the depth of that relationship. You have people in your life that you really want to know, right? Hopefully it's a husband, a spouse, husband or wife, your kids, family members. Maybe it's a, a, a co-worker. You just, you, you clicked and you really want to know them. And so what do you do? You spend time with them. You talk with them. You get to know them. You find out what, what they're thinking, what they're about. You find out their history. What has gotten them to the point of where they are right now? You, you want to understand their future plans, where they want to do with their life. It's no different than with God. And this is the most important relationship. The, that love relationship that, <clears throat> that we control the depth how far we let him in, how close we are to him, how much we know him, how involved we want him 
in our life because he'll only go as far as we let him. He doesn't force himself on us. He doesn't want that. That's not love. His side of the relationship is always love. We need to open ourselves up to that, to really get to know who God is. Because there's also people in your life, you know, that eh, I don't really want to spend a lot of time with them. I don't really like them that much. Okay, you're chuckling, but you're thinking names and you're seeing faces. I might even be one of those. I don't know. But what do you do? You, you touch base with them when you have to. When, when you need to. When you, when you absolutely know. Maybe it's that coworker and like, okay, I got I to do this. You build yourself up. You, let's go. We're going to go in and, okay, we have that little quick conversation. We get the things done that we need to get done, and then we go. We're out. Whew. Done with that. How many of us treat Sunday morning that way? Got to get up Sunday again. Got to go, got to go. Got to talk with God, meet with God. Out, okay, good for a week. That's less than mediocre. That's less than me. You control the depth of that relationship. You control how far God's going to get in by how much input you are giving to that relationship. How far are you going to go? How deep do you want your relationship with God to be? You got to think about it. Don't answer that. Because some will say, oh, I want it really deep. Ah, be careful. Because God's going to go as deep as you want. God is going to fill whatever capacity we give him. And that requires us giving more and more and more. Sat in there and prayed with the elders. One of the elders said, You know, there's parts of my life I have not given totally to God yet. That's encouraging to me. Because if we have an elder who's still struggling with part of his life and he still knows that there's there's more depth to his what his relationship can be, he's still growing. He is still struggling with different avenues of a different how, how deep, how much capacity of his life is he going to give to God. And that's encouraging to me that there is still growth to be done. That I can still grow. That there is more to be experienced. Paul in that great section to the, the letter he wrote to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 said, when I was a child I talked like a child. I thought like a child I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. You know, in our love relationship with Jesus, that's what it is. When we first come into that relationship, we tend to think like a child. We tend to reason like a child. But, but there needs to be a point where we are growing up to where we're not thinking like children anymore. That we're going to deeper things because we've opened our, our life up to a greater capacity for God to fill. We're growing in him. Now, what does maturity look like? Maturity means, you know what? I don't struggle with the same sins I used to struggle with. I found victory in areas of my life. Yeah, there are still some that I struggle. You know, I, I still have, there's a sin that so easily entangles, and I'm doing battle with it. 
But you know what? I don't struggle with the, the same sins I struggled with years ago. I've seen victory in my life. I've seen continual victory over sin. I've seen relationships put back together. I've seen restoration. I've experienced God, God moving. It means understanding the deeper truths of God, not struggling with the elementary truths. It, mean, it means deepening our understanding to the point of where, you know what, I could explain. I could probably teach. I could definitely take three or four people and begin explaining the elementary truths to them. The writer of Hebrews said, we have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. That's immaturity. That, that not willing to wrestle with deep truths. Not willing to wrestle with those things. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. That's maturity. That's the ability to distinguish good from evil. The ability to understand deeper truths. The ability to, to, to constantly use, live that out. That's what that means. Constant use. Not constant reading. Not the next greatest book. It's the constant use. I've read, I've learned, I'm living it out. Some of you I'm concerned about. Statistically, 70% of you are Sunday-only people. As far as I know, 70% of you come here on Sunday, you sit, you worship, you sing, you hear a great sermon, and then you leave. And as far as I know, there is nothing else spiritually going on in your life until the next Sunday, because I know you're not in a small group, you're not in a Sunday school class, you're not in a Bible study, you're not being mentored or mentoring anyone that I know of. I'm not saying you're not doing it, but I'm not aware of it. And as the guy in charge of discipleship in this church, it's helpful if I'm aware of it. And so I've got to go on the fact that 70% of you aren't. That tells me that at least 70% of us are at best mediocre on a good day that concerns me that's why we have unashamed men of purpose that's why we have community women that's why we have small groups that's why we have Sunday school that's why we do teaching on Sunday nights that's why we do seminars that's why but who's there who comes who really wants deeper relationship with God? Who really wants to, to wrestle with deeper truth? Who really wants to, to open up their life a little bit more than what they were open to God moving last time? Who really wants to understand? Well, about 30% of us, apparently. Your spiritual maturity or lack thereof limits God's ability to work in your life. 
We want God to work, but we don't want to do the work that gets us there. We want to see God move. We want to see incredible, miraculous things happen, but I just want to maintain mediocrity in my life. But I still want God to do immeasurably more. It doesn't work that way. You find yourself stuck in a mediocre relationship with God. Grow in your understanding of who God is. And then the second thing we need to do, evaluate the circumstances and opportunities as God leads. Evaluate the circumstances in our life. Evaluate the opportunities that God presents every single day. The better we understand who God is, the better we can understand the purpose and the circumstances we face the better prepared we are to walk into that circumstance and receive everything that God has for us out of that circumstance. It may be great. It may be a struggle. It may be the most painful thing you have to walk through. It may be coming along and walking beside someone else going through pain and struggle. But God is giving us opportunities because he wants to grow us immeasurably more than I could ask or imagine. As we seek to enlarge our capacity to receive, the Holy Spirit is going to seek ways to stretch us. He's going to seek ways to enable us to receive more. And we have to begin recognizing God at work in our daily circumstances. How many of you believe God is working daily in my circumstances? It's a stupid question, isn't it? You wouldn't be here if you didn't. If there wasn't some inkling that maybe, possibly by chance, God is alive and active and working. That's what brings us here. And I'm saying if we will will grow in our understanding of who God is, better understand who he is and what he dreams about, and then we begin looking for that in our daily life, moment by moment, as we're going through our life, Our capacity to learn, our capacity to receive, our capacity to love God more is going to increase. Because we see God working. We have to begin to recognize God at work. We have to become aware of what God is doing in the world around us, in our lives and in the lives of others. See, God leads us one step at a time. He doesn't throw the whole big picture out there in front of us because we would freak out. Right, John? If John McClister was told five years ago that he was going to be leading a small group in September, he'd go, new, right? In fact, that's what you said five years ago. He said that about attending a small group five years ago. Now he's going to lead one. Why? Because he gained his understanding of who God is and how he works in our life. And he he enlarged the capacity to receive what God has. And he began looking at what God was doing in in his own life and in his family's life and in the lives of those other people around him. And God just one step at a time moved him to where he wants him to be right now. Understand, as, as Jesus met with the disciples for what he knew was going to be the last time before his death, the disciples didn't know his death was coming, Jesus did. He reviewed all the things that he had taught them and that they had experienced together. And then he said, I have much more to say to you. I I have immeasurably more to say to you. 
more than you can bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. You see, he doesn't just dump it all on us. Here's the plan. Boom, 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 boom. And then at 85, you're going to die. And this is what I want you doing right up until that time. No, because we'd freak out. That's more than we can bear. But it's immeasurably more that he wants to do. And so he takes us one step at a time. And as we are faithful to, to grow in that relationship of him, and as we are faithful to, to, to recognize God's moving, and we take that step, then he's like, all right, let's open up another one. Let's take another step in that journey. And eventually, years, days, weeks, months, years down the road, we are beginning to experience the immeasurably more. Because I guarantee you, 30 years ago, I did not envision my life doing this. Could not have asked, didn't ask for it. Could not imagine it. And yet, step by step, as we are faithful to grow, as we are faithful to, to, to see God move, and we take those walks, we can look back and go, wow, 25 years of full-time ministry. More than I could have asked or imagined but it's one step at a time, one day at a time. Which brings us to the third thing. We need to grow in our relationship. We need to evaluate the circumstances and the opportunities as God presents them daily. And then we need to be obedient to his dream. As God reveals what he is doing, he provides us opportunities to get involved. As we, as we interact with people, as we become better, and we need to become better at reading people, at understanding when there's hurts, when there's a little change in, in emotion or in attitude, and, and we want to find out why we need to get involved because God's doing something in their life. God's doing something in every person's life in here. And we need to be aware of what he is doing so that we can get involved. We can be obedient. That God reveals what he's doing. He provides us opportunities to get involved and then calls us to join in what he is doing, where he is working. Say yes more often to new opportunities. You know, there's a lot of things you don't need to pray about. That when someone says, hey, you know, I, I see this in you and I would love for you to get involved in this area. I'm going to say most of us don't need to pray about that. We just need to say, okay. Because that's God leading. That's God moving. That's God presenting an opportunity. Now, that person could be wrong, and three weeks in, we go, yeah, not for me. That's all right. We need to be obedient when God calls. Our men's ministry, unashamed men of purpose, we have a group of 12 that are helping lead and, and launch this ministry. And the most exciting things I hear from these men is, I have never done this before. These are 12 men that, that we picked, hand-picked hand over prayer, looking, watching, observing, and we said, that's a person that we want in leadership in a men's ministry. That's a person, and I'll bet you at least half, if not more of them, have come up and said, I've never done this before. 
Hallelujah. Because you just enlarged your capacity for the Holy Spirit to move and God to do immeasurably more than you could ask or imagine because you never imagined this. What's God calling you to? What, what opportunities is God presenting? God grows us in steps. We learn truth, opportunities to serve. All part of God reaching his full potential in our lives. Obedience to his truth and, and his directives. Henry Blackaby in the book Unlimiting God says if you ignored the last three things God told you to do, why would he give you an exciting deeper revelation? If you've already said no to the three things, why is he going to present a bigger, better thing to you? As we sit back in mediocrity and go, man, I just wish God would. Da, 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 da. Yeah, okay, he is one step at a time. Be obedient. And three steps from now, you're going to look back and go, well, that was pretty cool. He will continually bring you back to the last thing he gave you, taught you, revealed to you until you are obedient to it and then begin to move you. If you can't be trusted with the simple, why would he give you the complex? And if we don't keep adding to our experience, eventually we fall into the rut of the mundane and the mediocre, and we just do what we've always done. And then we get less and less results. And then we quit asking, and we quit imagining, and then God's potential is shot in our life. If you need to learn grace, he is going to bring situations into your life where grace is needed. He's not going to just give you grace. If you need to learn generosity, he is going to, to bring needs into your life that you can meet. He's not just going to make you generous. If you need to learn patience, you're going to have to wait for it. Bottom line. All three of these things go together. If we aren't growing in our knowledge and love of God, we won't be aware of his working around us and speaking to or nudging us, and we won't be able to be obedient, and we won't experience God's full potential in our lives, and I don't want to see that happen for you or me. So you've got to decide this morning, how full am I? Where do I need to expand my capacity? Maybe I need to start all the way back and I need to get into a small group. I need to get into a Bible study. I need to get into the Word on a daily basis. I need to find out who this God is. Maybe you need to ask God to reveal Himself to you in new ways. You need to ask God to show you how He is working in your coworker's life or the people that you run into every day, and you just kind of look right past them. And God's saying, Look, I want to do something in this person's life, and I want to use you to do it. That's immeasurably more than I could imagine. God using me to influence someone else's life. That's kind of exciting, really. Maybe I do want to be a part of that. I better find out who this God is. Take the opportunities. Become obedient to him. God wants to do immeasurably more in your life than what you are experiencing right now. He's got the plan. And he wants to take you into that next step.
You just have to be obedient and take that step. Amen? Father, we come before you in need. In need of your direction, in need of your leading, in need of understanding. Father, I pray that you would not allow us to, to in any kind of mediocre way, leave this place this morning. Father, reveal to us, show us who you are. Give us a, a little glimpse of what that next step is. What do we need to do? Uh, challenge our hearts, challenge our minds, our thinking. What are you wanting to do in my life? What is my next step? Father, let us not get away from that question. Let us not leave until we have an answer. Let us not give up asking until you reveal that we might be obedient and fulfill the dreams of you, your dream in our life. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Go, discover, enjoy, experience everything that God has for you this week. Put those eyes on that see the things of God. Amen.